Good morning, Serge. How y'all doing? Sorry about that. Um, man, how's everybody's uh, new year? Anybody doing anything totally wild, crazy? Yeah, I had, uh, I had a bunch of my friends text me. I was up in Marion, North Carolina for New Year's for my grandparents, and all my friends were texting me. They're like, you got anything crazy planned? I was like, heck yeah, in bed by 10, watching Netflix. That's about it. I was watching, I was actually binge watching a TV show called Luther, which if you haven't watched it or you don't watch it, then you're not cool. But um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's a great show. But um, I was doing that instead of watching the ball drive. I don't, I'm not a big fan of New Year's. There's, there's already a lot going on right there. There's Christmas and then my birthday is right there too. I'm just not a huge fan of New Year's, honestly. But anyways, I'm glad everybody had a good uh, vacation, good break. My break was like five weeks long and it's coming to an end this Wednesday, unfortunately, but it's okay. Um, I'm ready to get back to it though. Hope y'all are too. Before we get started, let me pray first really quick. By your heads, Father, you are good. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for Trailside. I thank you for pulling us through 2018, God. I thank you for everything that you did through this church, Father. I ask that you just continue to do works through Trailside in 2019, God. I ask that you be with me today. Just speak through me, Father, and speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I got a few people I want to kind of give a, a, a shout out to. My family is here. I'm from Charleston, if you, if you don't know. Um, my name is Mikey, by the way. I forgot to say that. My name is Mikey. I am an intern here. I am a freshman at North Greenville University. I just turned 19 last week, actually. And my family drove up from Charleston. My dad is here. He's Big bald guy with a goatee, six foot four. It's hard to miss. And I know you're thinking, what happened to me? I'm not six four. I'm getting to that in a minute. My brother's here. He they drove up this morning. Um, and my mom is here. This is why I'm not six foot four. My mom is here. And um, uh, her boyfriend, they drove up last night, staying in a hotel. So I'm thankful for them. But I'm so excited to, to be here and, and to share with you guys, to share my heart with you guys. Sean told me, like, I guess a month and a half ago. So that I'd be speaking sometime around this time. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, started working on something. But yeah, I'm so excited. I'll probably say that five more times before I actually get started, because I am. And um, just to kind of let y'all like, in about a little bit about myself, I uh, was born and raised Catholic. I uh, grew up in the Catholic church up until I was about 14. And um, I went to Catholic school up until seventh grade. Eighth grade, I went to public middle school, and then high school, I went to private school, so I did public school for one year, and, um, but I grew up Catholic, I served in the church, I, I was what they called an altar servant, so if you know anything about it, then, like, I wore this big, long, white robe, and this big black thing over top, and had a different job every Sunday, almost, it was weird, usually I'd just, like, carry the big cross down the aisle, and stuff like that, and I like doing that, because I like to show off how strong I was when I was, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I grew up Catholic, and um, and when I was about 14, again, I was in the Catholic church. My dad was an usher, and my sister sang in the choir, and then I turned to my, and when I was 14, you know, like, life happened, and stuff happened, and kind of drew me out of the church, and then my junior year of high school, I went to a school, um, school I graduated from called St. John's Christian Academy, got saved my junior year. Um, I was about 17. It was January 25th, 2017 is when I got saved. Um, I was 17 years old, and a few months later, felt like I got called to ministry, and then a few months after that, 
gave my first, uh, what you would call a sermon. I don't like calling it that because I don't feel like I'm allowed to yet, but because I'm not a pastor or anything, but gave what you would call a sermon. And um, that was when I really, like, that's when God really hit me. I was like, yeah, this is what you need to do um, for your life. This is what I'm calling you to do. And so then I had a few more opportunities after that to speak and just to share my heart and thankful for that. And then I kind of fell out of loving Jesus and fell in love with a girl. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, just kind of got sidetracked and distracted and um, totally walked away from all this, like my calling and all that stuff and got focused on a girl and God did what he does. And he pulled me out of that and, and kind of revived this passion in me. And I'm thankful for that. And then it's funny, I actually found out about this internship through a buddy of ours. He's actually an overseer. His name is Robbie Foreman. And he kind of caught me towards the end of my senior year. He caught me and he said, hey, I got a buddy up in, in Travers Rest who's starting a church, or who just started a church and he's looking for interns. And he knew I was coming up here to go to North Greenville University. And he said, would you want to be an intern? And at this time, I was in the middle of the whole, like, not focus on Jesus, focus on the girl thing, and, like, didn't even want to do ministry anymore. But for some reason, I said, yeah. I was like, sure, like, I'll do that. And I don't know why. It's just a God thing. But um, anyways, and then whenever I got situated, I got back on track. I got a hold of Sean and gave him a call and pretty much had an interview over the phone with Sean. And he was like, all right, see you when you get up here. And, and I've been here since August um, and, and thankful for Sean for giving me this opportunity. But that's how I'm here. And um, a little bit more about myself. One thing growing up in my life, the only thing that was ever constant in my life up until about last year from, I mean, as long as I can remember up until last year, the only thing that was ever really constant in my life was sports. And um, I mean, there was one year, I think, when I was, am I on? Anyways, yeah, no, okay. There was one year, I think, I don't remember how old I was, but there was one year I think I played in the fall. In the fall, I had football, golf, and soccer, and then played basketball in the winter, and then soccer and baseball in the spring that year. And I think I did that a few, a few times. And, but yeah, sports was just everything in my life. If, if, you know, if you knew me, that's what my life consisted of. It wasn't Jesus, it wasn't even school. I didn't, I didn't care about the two, it was just sports. That's all that ever mattered to me. Um, the main one, the one that I truly loved, the one that truly, I mean, I still love this game, was basketball. I mean, that was a sport that I fell in love with. From, I mean, I was like three years old. I played that sport for about 15 years. And um, I fell in love with it from, from the time I had a ball in my hand. I think, do we have a picture? Do we have that picture? I don't know if we have it or not. Maybe not. I have a picture that kind of shows what my passion for basketball would have been like at this young age. Maybe we don't have a picture. It's okay. But anyways, I'm sleeping with my basketball like a little teddy bear. Like I have it laying on the couch and I have it under my arm and I'm sleeping with it on the couch. And my dad took that picture of it, of me and posted it on Facebook, of course. And I'm glad I kind of don't have it because it's kind of embarrassing. But um, I just love, <laughs> there it is. That's it. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, you can take it down now. They're staring. Um, but yeah, that was me. And um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was a sport that I, that I, I fell in love with at a young age and I became really, really good at it. Um, it was kind of just a natural thing. I mean, I'm at my dad's practices. My dad always coached basketball when I was growing up and at his practices, I'd be on the sidelines just doing whatever with the ball, dribbling all the time. I mean, there was probably I'd say I played for like 15 years, maybe nine or 10 years, consecutive years. But it was like every single day I had a ball in my hand doing something, you know, especially when I was younger and I didn't have a job. Every single day I was doing something with the ball in my hand. And um, my mom and dad would actually have to like in the summertime force me to come inside and take breaks. And my mom's nodding her head right now because she knows 
and take breaks because like I'd be out there in seven, eight hours a day, like straight in 98 degree weather and just not even care. Like I just wanted to play. That's all I wanted to do. You know, something that, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I, it paid off, you know, I, I was really good at it and um, went on to play and in high school, played four years of varsity in, in high school and um, all that hard work did pay off. But there was one year for some strange reason, I decided I wanted to try to play football. I think this was second grade year. I decided I want to try to play football. I don't know why. I think it's all my friends were doing it. And um, I, I, I went out and I tried out and I made the team. Do we have a picture? Do we have that football picture of me when I was um, a kid? Do we have that football picture of me with my helmet on? Yeah, there it is. Little Mike. There it is. Yeah, I played for the Redskins. Um, I, I made this team, this little rec league team. And I quickly realized, I remember I told my dad, because we had practice one day. And the next day I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to quit. Like, I don't feel like doing this. I, I want to quit. And, and I remember I wanted to quit because I was so used to basketball and I was so used to walking in there and being the best and being really good. And it came to football and quickly realized I wasn't. I quickly realized that it was going to take a lot of work if I wanted to, to actually be good at this sport. And I didn't know in my mind, I didn't know if that hard work, if that work would actually be worth it in the end. And I told my dad, I said, dad, I want to quit. And, he, and I'm glad he didn't let me because he looked back, he looked at me and he said, son, you're not quitting. Like you committed to this. You're going to finish the season. You're not going to quit. He said, after this, you never have to play again, but you're going to finish the season strong. And I'm glad he didn't let me quit. And, I didn't, and after that season, I didn't play again until high school. But I wanted to quit from the start because I didn't think the process of working hard at the game would actually be worth it. And that got me thinking about us, like spiritually. Do we actually see the value in the process? Like, do we actually believe the process is worth it? Because according to Jesus, Matthew 10, 39, oh, Matthew 10, 39, 38 and 39, according to Jesus, um, he says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. According to Jesus, commitment to him in the process looks like giving yourself up. Looks like giving up all your hopes and all your dreams, all for his sake. And I think a big question that we have is, is that really worth it? Is that worth it? Giving up everything that you, 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 uh, you, you desire, giving up all of that just for the sake of, of the gospel, is that worth it? I think that's a big question we have. And the question I want to tackle today, and I want to point something out because in the original translation, the Greek translation, it says in verse um, 39, it says, whoever loses his life, and the word they use there for whoever loses is, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to get it wrong, but is apolemy. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong anyways, but it means to destroy. And I think that says something because I think there's some of us here today who have been trying to walk hand in hand with Jesus while holding on to things from our past that are hindering us from growing and advancing in our faith trying to walk hand in hand with Jesus while holding on to um, habits or, or addictions or mindsets or grudges or, 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 or uh, uh, sin cycles. We're holding on to these things and we're not letting them go. And we're trying to walk hand in hand with Jesus. And we wonder why we're not growing. That word there means to destroy, get rid of it, destroy it. All for the sake of the gospel. The big question here is, is that worth it? Is it worth it? And I think I would ask for those of us who are in the process who have committed, who have said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm committed my life to Jesus. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. For those of us who are in the process, I would ask you, are you actually committed to the process or are you just attracted by the idea of the payoff that comes after it, right? Because I think when your attraction to the payoff exceeds your commitment to the process, you'll give up and you'll quit. And I've done that. I've given up and I quit. I walked away from it. And maybe some of you have too. Maybe you found yourself in a spot where you've given up and you've walked away from your faith and you've quit. Maybe you're there right now and you're wanting and you're thinking about quitting. Whatever it is, when your attraction to the payoff 
is greater than your commitment to the process, you'll give up every single time, every time. Because everybody, everybody loves the idea of heaven. Like if anybody tells you that the idea of heaven doesn't sound great, they're weird. Cause like everybody loves the idea of heaven. Everyone loves the idea of eternal life. But when it comes time to make sacrifices in the process that you need to make, then you start to lose people. People start to give up. And so I want to talk about four things that I think either A, uh, uh, cause us to quit while we're in the process, or B, prevent us from even committing to the process in the first place. And maybe, you know, this goes for all people. In other words, so if you're in the process, maybe you've quit before. Maybe these are something, some things that have caused you to quit. Or maybe you haven't committed your life to Jesus. And one of these, are, and one of these four things are the reason why. And I just want to tackle them. And the first one here is a fear of failure. I think a fear of failure will either cause us to quit in the process or prevent us from committing in the first place. A fear of failure. And I gave up actually for this reason. Whenever I uh, got distracted by a girl and, and kind of gave up on my calling, I gave up because I feared failure because there was time. I mean, I was a, a young Christian. I mean, I'm still a young Christian. I was a new Christian. And I was on, I mean, I, had, I was on fire for the Lord. And I was like, I'm going to start a Bible study at my school, my high school, which I did on Thursday mornings. And then I cared more about how I sounded and how good what I said actually sounded rather than just being truthful and sharing the gospel with people. And then I took it upon myself to just do it on my own. And that's when I realized I'm not, I'm not good enough. And that's when I realized that I couldn't do it on my own and I feared failure. So I just gave up and walked away from it all. And maybe you've been in that spot because I think we tend to fear failure whenever we put the pressure on ourselves to do what God wants to do through us, to do his job. Some of us have been trying to do God's job, and that's why we've given up, and that's why you've realized that you're not strong enough to do his job in your life, and that's why you've failed, and that's why you've quit. Because you've been putting too much pressure on yourself to do God's job. Here's the thing. In the process, like whether you're not committed or you are, in the process, the only, your only responsibility is availability and obedience. That's it. Just make yourself available and say, use me however you want to use me and obey. That's all you have to do. Everything else is God's job. But some of you have tried to take on the role of pilot and try to do everything on your own, and that's why you've crashed, and that's why you've quit, and maybe you've found yourself there multiple times. The second thing, I think a fear of failure leads us to number two, a fear of not being good enough. Because when you, I know it kind of sounds similar, but when you fear failure, you begin to look at every reason inside of you as to why you might fail, and then you fear not being good enough. And I struggled with this part of my message for, for a while as I was preparing. And I, I, I think two weeks ago, something like that, it was like a Monday or Tuesday, I emailed Sean my outline and we went over it that weekend. And I came up that weekend and I said, Sean, I've changed, I've changed part of it. Like, and it was this part. And I struggled with this part of my message. And then something happened to me personally. And I said, I have to include this because this goes hand in hand with this, fearing that we're not good enough. Because I think we allow the presence of temptation and sin in our lives to convince us that we're not good enough for the life that God has for us. And this is huge. I had a buddy of mine who um, was talking to me. He said, man, I've really, been, I've really been struggling lately. Like I've just really been struggling with being tempted to go back and do some things and being tempted to go back and, and, and do some old habits that I know God called me out of. And, and he was like, I just feel so, so wrong for that. I feel so dirty with that. And I think that's where we make a mistake. Because I think we associate temptation and sin with unworthiness. And I think that's, I think that's wrong. I don't, I don't think God condemns us or gets angry with us just because we get tempted or we're faced with sin or, or temptations or anything like that. In fact, I would even go on to say, and I hope this encourages you, but I would even go on to say that I think 
um, there's something to be said about the, the person who's struggling with the temptation. There's something to be said about the person who's fighting a temptation. I think God, I think our heavenly father looks down at us and sees us struggling and sees us fighting for him. And that makes him proud instead of us feeling so condemned and dirty whenever we're struggling with temptation. And here's the thing, James 1, 2 through 3, excuse me, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I looked at the original translation, and the word there for trials is also a word that means temptations. Count it pure joy when you face temptations. Why? Because I think as long as you have something to fight against, as long as you have that temptation there to fight against, then you have room for growth. But if you have nothing to fight against and you just become stagnant in your faith, and you'll be the same Christian when you die as you were when you got saved, and you shouldn't. You should grow. And I think as long as you have something there to fight against, then you will, because what the devil doesn't know is as he's tempting you, he's actually giving you an opportunity to grow further from him. Temptation does not mean that, that we're unworthy. It doesn't mean we're not good enough. It just means that we can't do this by ourselves. All it means is that we need God. That's all it means. Because here's the thing, when God was, was planning out your life and planning out your purpose, and all that good stuff. He took into consideration every ounce of temptation and sin you would both face and fall into, and he still wants to use you. Like, and he still wants to, to use you for his purpose, and he still has called you, right? The temptation and sin doesn't mean you're not good enough. It just means you need God. That's all it means. It just means you can't do it by yourself. Number three, fear of persecution. I think this is big. Um, I think it's one we don't like to admit because we're all like, oh, yeah, I'd I don't mind. I'll do it. I'll, I'll be persecuted for the gospel. It's easy to say that until it happens. And I think this is a huge fear. I think this is something that really keeps people from either committing to Jesus in the first place or really causes people to give up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And truthfully, guys, I mean, this is simple. I mean, I think we tend to fear persecution because we value man's opinion more than we do the promises of God and the purpose that God has for us. We value the, the words of man more than we do the words of God. Excuse me. And that's why we fear persecution. I'm not going to lie, like, there's going to be persecution. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Like, it's going to happen. Like, yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not up here to be like, no, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. No, it's going to happen. But then there's a flip side of it that says, wow, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And when I hear that, I think I'd rather be persecuted than deceived. But then Jesus says in Matthew 5.10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, persecution is real and it's, it's part of the process. It's part of the process, but it's also worth the payoff. It's worth it. It is. Excuse me. I think a fear of persecution leads us, leads us to the fourth one a fear of the payoff not being worth it. Because once we start to get faced with persecution, we begin to question the value that is in the payoff, the value that is in heaven. Is this really worth it? Is life with Jesus really worth it? If I have to give up friends, if I have to face um, a few dirty looks and a few snarky comments, is heaven really worth it? And here's the thing. I think we tend to question the value of the payoff whenever we become too comfortable and reliant on the things of this world to even consider the possibility of the things promised in Jesus. Too comfortable and reliant. I think some of us here today maybe have even become too comfortable and reliant on church. In other words, like, it's okay if I do this because I go to church on Sundays. It's okay if I, it doesn't matter what I do Saturday night. You'll, you, you find me at church in the morning. And we've kind of used that as a crutch almost. And here's the thing. 
1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So simply put it, heaven's payoff is eternal and nothing in this world is. Nothing in this world is eternal. No, no amount of money is eternal. Not even the good stuff, not just the bad, not even the good stuff. Trailside's not eternal. I wish it were. It's not. It's here now, but it won't always be. Heaven is eternal. Nothing else is. That sounds pretty worth it to me. So I think we would look at these four things that either keep us from the process or cause us to quit in the process. We see a common theme, and that's fear. If I'm honest with y'all, like fear is my biggest thing. I'm very fearful. And I'm sure a lot of us can, can relate to that. I'm very fearful, fearful of things. There's people, there's certain people in my life where I'm even afraid to, to be the person that God's called me to be in front of them. Like it's, and that's real. And I know there's some of us are like that too. Like I'm, that, that fear is real for me. And there's a lot of other fears that are, that are active in my life. But here's what I've learned. And I'm not, I'm not saying this, I haven't overcome all my fears, but I've overcome some. And here's what I've learned about fear. And I hope this encourages you if you battle with fear. Here's what I've learned about fear. Fear is the barrier between you and who God's called you to be. That's fear. So just think about whatever fear is standing in front of you right now. And just think about who you might be on the other side of that. If you just overcame that fear. Fear is the barrier between you and who God's called you to be. Here's the thing. I love this. Because when fear rises in your life, when fear comes in your life, and when fear knocks at the door, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Turn to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So guys, when fear rises, when, when you fear failure, when you fear not being good enough, what's it saying? verse two? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at every single reason why you might not, or why you might fail. Stop looking at the people around you and what they might think. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. When you fear, when you fear persecution, verse three, consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider him who went through the highest level of persecution for your sake. A few dirty looks in snarky comics don't sound as bad when you compare it to the cross, Right? payoff not being not being worth it if you question the value that is in heaven that is in eternal life with jesus look what it says it says looking to jesus the founder perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him the payoff endured the cross despising the shame and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of god that's the payoff that sounds pretty worth it to me nothing in this world beats that in my opinion bring attention back to verse two. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And again, in the original translation, 
the word there, looking for Je- looking to Jesus, is the word of a pharaoh. Probably pronouncing it wrong again. Anyways, it means to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something. And that's the process. That's all the process is. Taking your eyes off of this world, taking your eyes off of the self and fixing them solely on Jesus. It doesn't mean perfection. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you got to be clean or anything like that. No. If Jesus waited to use everybody till they were clean and perfect, we'd have no Bible. None. Because yeah, he's the ultimate author and he speaks word into people, but the people he used to write it, Paul wrote half the New Testament, over half the New Testament. If Jesus didn't use people until they were perfect and clean, we'd have no Bible. Stop waiting until you get everything together. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Because you can't, you can't be in the process and you can't be focused on other people's opinions or other people's progress while you're in the process. Because if all your attention is on other people and not on Jesus, you'll fail and you'll give up and you'll quit. Stop worrying about how well someone reads the Bible. Stop worrying about how well someone interprets the Bible. Stop worrying about how well someone prays. That's not what it's about. Just love Jesus. Let him do everything else in you. bring this back to when my dad wouldn't let me quit football. He wouldn't let me quit football, and I like to think, he never told me this, but I like to think he wouldn't let me quit because he knew something about the process that I didn't know. Because he knew if you put my competitive nature and work ethic and combine that with football, that a love for the game would form. And it did. When I, came, when I got to high school, and it did. And I, began, I fell in love with the game. I did. It didn't start that way. But he wouldn't let me quit because I like to believe that he knew something about the process I didn't know. And I wonder, what if Jesus knows something about your future you don't? There's only one way to find out. There's only one way to find out. Guys, when I was, I told y'all, I grew up in the church when I was 14. Something happened in my life that kind of, you know, called me out of the church. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, my sister committed suicide when I was 14 years old. She was 19, so she was as old as I am now. It's kind of weird to think about. But she was 19. I was 14. She committed suicide. And that just like, I mean, me and my, my whole family just like, oh. I mean, about three months later, after, after her death, we found the note that she left all of us. And she left each person an individual section. And for me, she said, Mikey, make your dream come true. I love you. And, oh, man, I remember the day my mom gave me that note. And she showed me. My mom and I were out for a run. And uh, I remember she showed me that note and I gave her the phone back and I took off and I sprinted for like a mile. And I sprinted for like a mile because if you knew the meaning and the context behind that, then you'll understand. Let me tell you, make your dream come true for me. And she knew this. See, basketball, she shared the same passion for basketball that I did. She loved the game just like I did. We wore the same number, always wore the same number. Even after she passed, I wore her number after that. And she was just as good at basketball as I was, if not better. She, she could have gone on to play at college if she wasn't an idiot in school and didn't do her homework and stuff, but um, she loved the game just like I did. And she knew my dream my entire life from the time I was young up until, up until I got saved. My dream my entire life was to play college basketball. That's my only dream. And she knew that. And she knew how important that was to me. And the last thing that came to her mind when she thought about me was that dream and how important it was to me. She said, hey, go make it come true. I love you. Pressure, right? Guys, I had that opportunity last year. North Greenville's coach emailed me and said, got a spot for you if you want it. It's yours. 
I said, thanks, coach, but I'm good. Now, I changed my mind a lot, man. I went back and forth in my own head. I was like, man, it's right here. But ultimately, I said, no, thanks, coach. I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. See, because when I got saved, 17-year-old Mikey had a decision to make. Would giving up my dream, would giving up the one thing I thought I had left I could do to make my sister proud, would that be worth giving into the process and giving into the life you just had for me? Man. And 19-year-old Mikey will look back and tell 17-year-old Mikey, absolutely. Give yourself up every single day. I like to think my sister is more proud of what Jesus is doing through me than any X amount of playing time would have gotten a college ball. Give yourself up every single day. It's worth it. I don't care what dreams you have for yourself. I don't care what desires you have for yourself. I don't care how great it sounds. Give yourself up every single day. It's worth it. There's nothing, as much as I love basketball, there's nothing I love more than doing this. Nothing. Give yourself up every single day. It's worth it. Let's pray. Father, God, I just ask you to take this message and, and stir something up in our hearts. God, I, I ask that if there's any fear that is blocking anyone from pursuing you or advancing in their walk, I pray that you give them strength to overcome that. God, there's those here today who who notice you and who have seen the good that you can do but haven't fully committed to you out of fear. I pray that you strengthen them to make that commitment to you, Father. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. I pray all this in your name. Amen.